Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning together Shoftim Rishon, the first Aliyah in Parshas Shoftim. Our Parsha as a whole has 97 Psukim in total, and the general theme of the Parsha is the judicial system, system of judges, system of kings. We're going to take a look at that as we go through the Parsha. Our Aliyah in particular is 18 Psukim and runs from Perek Tes Zayin Yud Chestu Yud Zayin Yud Gimel. The main topic of our Aliyah is the role of judges. In, Israel, in the society of Israel. There are four basic topics or subtopics, and that is, first we hear about the system of judges. We're told, you should, assist, you should create a system of judges and policemen in your gates, then the land Hashem will give it to you. You will not pervert any form of justice or show favor to any of the constituents, bribes blind the, air, the eyes of even the righteous or righteous ideas, and you should pursue tzedek, tzedek terdof, in order to you inherit the land of Israel. So that's the system of judges, topic one. Subtopic two is Avodah You should not plant an Asherah tree uh, next to the altar of Hashem, the Mizbeach. You should not es- establish a standing stone, a Matseva, which is a flat stone of service for Avodah which Hashem hates. And you do not sacrifice an animal to Hashem, which is blemished. Three commandments following the establishment of the judges. We reach the third a subtopic in Aralia, which is the perpetrators um, of injustice, of Avodah um, So if you find a person, a man or a woman, who's serving Avodah pagan worship, you'll research the matter very well. Often this is done in private, so you have to do a lot of research to find out if, in fact, it is true. Then you bring such a person and they have to be stoned to death. The witnesses, the people who saw them doing this, are the ones who are going to be first in the process of execution and everybody else behind them as they represent them. That's the, the third subtopic. And finally, the last, fourth subtopic of our Aliyah is trust in the system. What does that mean? That means that when you have something which you don't know, you, you have something which is ki pole something is hidden from you, whether it be in the realm of regular judgment, um, negayim, which are, which are um, tahara and tuma and tahara, and the realm of fights, divrei voice bisharecho, you'll go to the place where Hashem will choose for you, that's Yerushalayim, You'll go to the Kohen or the Shofet, the leader of that generation, which means to say specifically in that generation, not of a previous generation. And he will investigate the matter for judgment. And whatever he says, you will follow. Um, you, you should not leave what he says, yamin or small, right or left, not veer from his word. But a person who does veer his, from his word and does not listen to them, that person will be executed and people will learn from this. So we have to come back to that point and understand what that means. So that's a basic summary of Aralia, four subtopics. The system of judges, Avodah the a person who um, disobeys and serves Avodah and finally, a, uh, this, a trusting the system of judges. So let's take a few basic questions over here. First of all is, why is Avodah in this Aliyah? Why is pagan worship placed so closely to the idea of having a system of judges? It's almost as if... The Aliyah itself is a chiasm starting and ending with the notion of judgment. The middle sections are not to serve out of Zorah, and what happens if somebody does serve out of Zorah? So in the structure of ABBA. So why is Avodah in the center of the Zaliyah? The Zasa Kedim of Baliatosis explained that in those days, the way they would plant the Asherah tree would be actually next to their pagan altars. That's what we see in the times of Gidon in Sefer Shoftim. Not the Parsha of Shoftim, but in Sefer Shoftim. Um, we see that in Perik Vov, there that Gidon chops down the Asherah tree next to the Mizbech. So that seems to be the practice that they have then. So the Torah is telling us, don't do pagan practices. Um, that's why it's, it's, it's mentioned here. However, the Orach says, it's meant to tell us that, um, to teach us 
that one who appoints a non-fitting judge, a person who is not worthy of judgment, is likened to planting a Asherah next to the Mizbeach. And what that means to say is, just to appreciate this, is that the Sanhedrin were to be in the chamber, the Lishka which was just a pro opposite where the Mizbeach was. And it's almost as you planting a Zorah by planting a false or not fitting judge in the place of the Sanhedrin. That's the way the Arachim understands it. So judgment is closely related to Avodah It's almost as if the Avodah is a metaphor for, um, for judgment or perverted justice. Rav Hirsch extends this to mean that, that we have to have absolute subservience to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which means that we need to build an altar and have no accoutrements, no extra stuff and accessories around it. Um, and appointing a person who's not a fitting judge is a certain display of indifference to the values on high. And therefore, it's as if we don't really care about Hashem's realm, Hashem's justice. Same thing over here when we plant Nasherah next to Mizbech. The Chizkuni says it's actually the opposite way around. If you think about it, the first priority of the judge should be the eradication of our Meaning to say, yes, a judge certainly has an, a, a foot in the social realm of justice in society, but his first job is to eradicate Avodah bad theological beliefs, which is why this is placed first. Very different perspective from the Arachama Kodesh, who says it's really a metaphor. Avodah is a metaphor for judgment and perverted judgment. Another question. It says that Hashem hates the Matzeva. Matzeva is a flat rock which people used to prostrate themselves on to serve. Well, why is it so hated? Rashi points out that in times of the Avos, you see that Yaakov had a Matzeva. We see that, that, that they, he used a Matzeva, a flat rock, to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So why is it so wrong if it, now if it was so loved and appreciated then? So Rabbi Moshe Feinstein has a very interesting perspective. And he says that Matzeva essentially is a stone, is representative of the past. Meaning to say, in a pre-Matan Torah existence, person could say, HaKadosh Baruch I'm deserving of accolades, I'm deserving of reward because of the achievements I have made in life. Whereas after Matan Torah, there's never a moment, because it's now actually Mitzvah, you're now commanded, not that it's now voluntary, because it's now a commandment, there's never a moment where you can sort of, you know, take a break and say, okay, Hashem, I did a lot of mitzvahs last week. This week, I'm going to kind of, you know, this whole Judaism business, this Torah business, we're going to take a little break this week. That doesn't work like that. It's continual. If you ever have a matzeva, an itzav, where you're standing, you're looking backwards for your sense of purpose, then that is what Hashem hates. In fact, when is the only time we use a matzeva in life is a funeral stone. It's a stone which is used on the grave. Um, and the, uh, the grave marker is to indicate a life which was lived. But if we're in life, we don't use matzevas. That's what Rav Moshe Feinstein suggests. Rav Hirsch has pointed out that there's the difference symbolically of matzeva and a mizbeach. His mizbeach is made up of stones, stones made and cut by human beings to make an edifice to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Matzeva is what Hashem created, a natural existing stone in nature, which you just simply use and, and repurpose. So Rav Hirsch says Hashem wants our service. He wants our efforts. He doesn't just want us to repurpose something he has. He wants us to take our tools, our blessings, and put them together to create a Mizbeach. Um, another question. What, why is the case of Avodah Zorah, of this perpetrator of Avodah Zorah, to be mentioned in this Aliyah? Why is this the one thing that expresses what the judges are doing? So the Rebbe Machaya says it means Bekir Becho. When it says among in your midst, it doesn't mean just in your midst. It means it's even from among those who are related to you. So if a judge has to unfortunately bring on trial somebody who's related to them and exact justice against the person who's been corrupted in society, that person is actually related to him, that judge still has to render judgment. And this comes back to a little bit of what the Chizkuni was saying. The first thing a person, the judge needs to do is eradicate Avodah meaning even at all costs, even without the bribe, even when it, when it impacts them on a personal level, that is their job to be doing. 
Um, and finally, just um, two last questions. How does how far does Emunas Chachamim trusting in the sages go? So Rashi says, Yamin uh, small Yishon should not veer from their words, right or left. They right. Rashi quotes the Sifrei, which is the Midrash Halacha here, which says, If he says your right is your left and your left is right, you still have to listen. Which means to say, even though it seems experientially to you that they're wrong, do not do not. Do not waver, carry on following what they say. Ramban extends this, and the Ramban says a very famous line where he says, Kiruach Hashem al azov es chasidov le'olam nishmeru Hashem has a certain spirit of holiness on those who serve him in his Migdash, and he will not let them be before, uh, have mistakes befall upon them. And therefore, their judgments will always be correct. Now this doesn't mean to say any rabbi today. This means to say at the time when you had people serving the Beis Migdash and the Sanhedrin HaGadol operating, a Sanhedrin HaGadol would not mistakes if they make mistakes if they're serving Hashem. Therefore, even if it seems to you that they're absolutely diametrically opposed to the truth, you still have to listen to them. The Riva, who's another one of the Rishonim, disagrees with Rashi somewhat and says no. This is only limited to when they make a gzera. When it comes to, let's say, they're teaching a din Torah, they're teaching you a drasha, and, the, and it comes out actually wrong, you don't have the obligation to listen to them. But when they make a gzera, and they say, let's say that, for instance, on Rosh Hashanah, you're not going to blow shofar um, on the first day, even though it says so in the Torah, when they make a gzera, and it seems to you that it should not be the way, when they make their own, we'll call parameter rules, those, even if they don't seem right to you, you should listen to. But if it's a, not a parameter, it's not to God, it's to expound and to extend an idea for the truth of that idea. The idea seems to be corrupted, then you don't have to listen to them. That's the reverse suggests as well. Two different realms of what's called Torah Sheval Peh. Finally, the last point, which is I think the most troubling part in Salia is, does it mean that anybody who disagrees with the sages gets put to death? So the Gwani Sanhedrin um, on Pei Vavim and Bey tells us, no, this is referring to what's called a Zarkain Mamri. A Zarkain Mamri is a person who is one of the Sanhedrin, disagrees with the way the Sanhedrin Paskins, goes out and teaches against what they said with warning. And so therefore he is essentially undermining the system of normative practice. This is not a debate held in the study, studies of theory and, and, uh, and ideas. He is outvoted and yet he goes on to undermine the system of justice by going out and teaching against them. That's what's called a Zakin Mamre, and such a person is put to death. Very unusual situation where they're corrupting the system itself. With this we close um, Rishon. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.